Hey everyone, how you doing out there? Hope you're having a good day, and if it's not good, that it turns around soon. The following chat I had with Michael DeBar was taped about two months ago, shortly after the passing of Little Richard and right before the release of Michael's latest single, a fabulous reinterpretation of the Sex Pistols classic, Anarchy in the UK. And just a few days ago, Netflix made available the fabulous documentary on Michael called Who Do You Want Me To Be? I strongly recommend it. I think you've heard me talk about it a few times before on the show, and I'm excited to watch it again. Now, before we get into that chat, I just want to tell you once again about patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, which is the home of Hot Dog Club, Hot Dog Club who brings you this episode commercial free. And what do you get when you go to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends? Well, there's hours and hours and hours of bonus episodes, listener questions episodes, and movie club episodes not to mention the new Zoom meetup features. So head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, see which reward tier works best for you, and slide on into the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club. Now that we've gotten that important message out of the way, let's listen to my chat with Michael DeBar. You know him, you love him, as I do, the fabulous Michael DeBar. Thanks for coming on the show again. Nobody loves me more than me. <laughs> that's good, and that's a good. That's a good policy to have, by the way. Are you kidding? That's a Talimanek's album, right there. I mean, my God, you know. Well, listen, if you don't love yourself, who's going to love you? That's right. right. And how you get? And as RuPaul says, how are you going to love somebody else? That's right. And uh, God knows RuPaul, the gospel according to RuPaul. It is unbelievable what RuPaul has done. Isn't it amazing? I mean, yeah. Yes, I, th- I think it's amazing. I think it's really healthy. And I, I admire it tremendously because in 1972, I was in a miniskirt. So, you know, it's all the fucking same, isn't it? You've done a lot of wonderful things in your career. And I'm happy that even though we've <laughs> talked about, well, we talked about some of them uh, on the show, but now the documentary uh, who do you want me to be that I saw a few years ago at CineFamily is coming to Netflix. I'm really excited about that. I want to make sure everyone knows about that. On yeah, that crazy. It's being streamed everywhere because what happened was, it, as you know, it was quite some time ago that the documentary was begun and shown wait, the, the night you saw it because right. Stephen Van Zandt hadn't appeared in my life at that time. I wasn't a DJ. Now I played at 5 million people a day. Right. It's a different world. You yeah. know, my, my broadcasting career has been ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm just so blessed, you know. And so we had to have Stephen talk about it. <laughs> right. It would be a little weird to not. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I showed it to him, the initial thing. And he went, hey, it's a good movie. But what about me? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he's such a historian. about the, And as you said, he speaks so oh. eloquently about it. I just happened to re-listen to his appearance on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast, another fantastic show. And he he spoke about Little Richard. This was well before, you know, he passed, but uh, Little Richard, I forgot, also married Stephen and uh, Maureen. Maureen. That's right. And he lied. He said that he had done it before, but he hadn't done it before. Little no, Richard. he hadn't. (laughs) I I don't know if he ever did it again. I I think he did a couple other... Was it Bruce Springsteen or something? I think, or no, Bruce Springsteen's he, he, lawyer, and, and then there was a couple of John Branca, and there was a couple other people that did he it. Did Branca's? Oh my God! According to him, yeah, according to that's him, interesting. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that uh, Steve Van Zandt is one of the greatest people on the planet. I mean, certainly for me, but he has helped so many people, man. Lit, you know, Little Kids Rock, which is an organization that brings instruments into schools. Yeah, teachrock.org, which literally teaches teachers to teach music. And the, the example of that is, is say you're dealing with Sam Cooke's music. Yeah. Well, then you're into civil rights. Yes, right. Then you're into equality. Then you're into the streets. Then you're into Detroit. Then you're into all of the things that go. So the, the whole notion of learning music is not just learning what tuning your guitar should be in. It's a, it's a, a cultural sure. um, analysis and a, a lesson that can be incorporated into American history. And those kids can learn and play um, 
authentic music. So Benzen is unbelievable with us, with all the artists on Wicked Cool. My record is coming out tomorrow on Wicked Cool. Wonderful version of Anarchy in the UK that he produced, right? It's an orchestral ad- adaptation. Yeah, it's an o- orchestra. It's it's a ballad, essentially. Yeah. And Johnny was clearly extremely angry at the time, <laughs> you know, and Jonesy, who to this day remains my dearest friend. Yeah. One, one of my dearest friends. Sure. Um, and he wrote it. Uh, and the thing is, is about it, for me, it's not angry. It's a warning. Yeah. And there's a big difference. And, and it's an interesting context culturally, that it's coming out. Well, look at it. Look at where we're at. You know, not only this dreadful, you know, murderous virus, but uh, our leaders. For America, which is a land that I chose to live in and wasn't born in 1974, I am probably even more patriotic than somebody who was born in. That's a stupid thing to say, but but the point I'm trying to make is- No one's more patriotic than you. We could say that. I dig it. I mean, I really believe in America and the whole notion of anybody being able to become anything. Right. Yes. Right. Like Ab- little Richard. That's right. That's right. You know? So where is the freedom? Where is the liberation? Where is the acceptance of the people that are on the on the, uh, the, the fringes of society? Those are the very people that we need to help the most. Exactly. And also, what about like the notion that this country helps the people that are in it, particularly in a time of crisis? And with that, notion kind of eroded and also the the lack of confidence in the leadership that's a very dangerous thing and it's similar to how the well what i find the really despicable erosion the deliberate erosion by that uh by the right wing of the faith in news organizations the 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 news all of those corporations are owned by corporations sure so there's so many things at play here and the truth is not one of them (laughs) that's true yeah you know, I mean, it's disgusting. And yeah. um, things which, are, you know, all I know is this isolation is going to bring a meditative uh, person, persona to people who have really got to get down and think about what, who's, who's who and what's what and where they stand and, and, and where they kneel and where they run. Yeah. Uh, you know, and don't run backwards and don't put on any weight. Everybody asks me, what, the quarantine, what do you think? I go, listen, I just hope I have the low fat content that I did come in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and right. then we get sorted out as people understanding the love that is required here because clearly you've got to love yourself in this situation so you can be loved and be, and, and be loving. And that's really what this is all about. It might get, you know, really vicious. Who knows? I don't know. I'm, right. not a, I'm, not a, uh, you know, I'm a philosopher, not a predictor. Sure. And that is the hope, though, that it that it, instead of the worst possible scenarios, you know, or the doomsday dystopian scenarios that are easy to drum up in the mind, particularly given, um, you know, the hopelessness that one can feel in a time like this. I think it's important to consistently and daily really remind ourselves of the good things that have existed before, will exist again, and also in some ways can exist now, but it's really uh, up to us to keep that alive in our minds, especially when we can't go out and about and sort of do the things that are normally associated with bringing us joy. Well, the, you know, the darkest thing about what you just said is martial law, uh, you know, that yeah. we are being manipulated into not being able to, um, shall we say, disagree. And that is a pretty horrendous old just Huxley vibe, you know. I mean, that is uh-huh. like Orwellian in its awfulness, you right, know. Right, right. Orwellian awful. Um, <laughs> sounds like a dessert. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do believe if we keep our sense of humor and uh, pray and, and be kind and be cool and be courageous, we're going to be all right. 
And also, I think it's important, too, that while we always have to stay abreast of the current events, the news, etc., uh, we can't just dive fully headlong, I think, into any one thing, right? It's like a balanced diet. It's just like, uh, you know, if people enjoy a cocktail or whatever, it's like you can't drink all day, but also, and also you, you can't eat desserts all day, but you also, you know, can't deprive yourselves of content that is joyful. Oh, no, quite the opposite. You know, I think we should be even more joyful. Right. It's just, it's not, it's an unbalanced world. There is no balanced diet here. The, the, you sure. know, the dessert does not match the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. You know, right. it's, and, and by the way, you can't get half the ingredients for the hors d'oeuvres right now. The store is out. It. I only eat desserts, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> only so, desserts. That's right. Yeah. 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 You can tell. In fact, yeah. I was in love uh, with a girl. Gee, what a shock. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you? What? He, into tearing with yeah, the lady? Yeah, the, the, the yeah, romance? So she, <laughs> she literally would order the dessert first. Really? And I, I thought that was the sexiest thing yeah. ever. Yeah. You know, and then and then have the chicken and the whatever, you know. But to start with, like, you know, some gorgeous, you know, ice cream dripping in chocolate, I thought it was, like, perfect. <laughs> and often, you know, we, we do that and we wouldn't even eat in the main course. We'd go away and have another dessert, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So, so in a way, it's, a, it's an interesting diet thing because uh, you're so – you know, into another thing that you're not even thinking about the rest of the food, and therefore you're engaged in activity. Really, it's a fairly well-rounded. It's, uh, it's sweet, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and and you recently celebrated a birthday, and uh, I was with Mike Chapman and Maddie, and we had a nice moment, a transatlantic moment. That was really, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, seventy-two, yeah. man. Congratulations! Seventy-two. Yeah. I I arrived in America in nineteen seventy-two, and now I am seventy-two. Yeah, which is the opposite of twenty-seven, which every other idiot died. Yeah, that's right. I don't say idiot, by the way. I mean, they're, they're poorly, you know, desperately sad. Sure, five. unfortunate yeah. souls, if you will. Well, the drug thing is just, you know, it's just so all. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. When you, there you are, you love playing guitar, you love singing, you love it, and now you're big and famous and you have no idea who you are anymore. Because that young, innocent, you know, enthusiastic um, man or woman has completely changed because people look at you in a completely different way. You can't handle it, you know. The very persona that you uh, are seen as, so you are estranged from. So uh -huh. that's fatal. Right. And that's why Brian went and topped himself, you know, because the Stones had mutated into Mick and Keith writing the material, and Brian was sort of out on a limb, and, and Jimmy was sick to death of playing Purple Haze, and uh -huh. Janice, you know, and it's just pain that yeah. creates that. The pain is the, is the thing that you don't know who you are anymore. Right. It's a complete loss of, of who you are and what your place in the world is, because everybody wants to kiss your ass. And uh, when you're up there, and if you slip and slide, then, then who you are? It's even worse. Sure. You know? Yeah. And then you get big again. You know. Uh, you know. And yeah. it comes and it goes like a fucking nightmare, like <laughs> day and night. But the night is longer than the day. How did you deal with um, the ups and Heroin. downs? Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. you know, well, in that era, right? So up until eighty-two, is it? No, 80, 81, I got sober. Right. Uh, right. Right before the power station stuff happened, it was like. I was in this band, Checker Pass. It was like really a drug band and uh, lots of stuff going on. And I always say I, I got sober because of vanity in, in many ways. I, mean, yeah. I know that sounds sort of like a joke. Well, not really. I, I think it's, it's an interesting angle, and I think it's a relatable one. You can latch onto that. You can think, oh, right, I don't want to look like, as you described, Iggy Pop's grandmother. 
<laughs> I said that, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, you know. Um, she was a beautiful lady, of course, but... Yeah, uh, stunningly yes. gorgeous. Yes. Yeah, but no, it was... Uh, I was trying to get the point across that, uh, you know, you can you can stop doing drugs, all you guys out there, uh, or, or drinking too much or something, and it's still very much in our culture, especially now. I'm, I'm sure oh, yeah. people are getting A, fatter, and B, drunker. I, the, I would stake my life on it. Booze sales have been... Like, there's articles... Uh, the booze sales are just up and up and up and up yeah 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 i'm changing my name to johnny walker <laughs> it's uh, it's a weird thing man you know but what happens is you, you for whatever reason you go look at this that, enough already but the building and the climb from knowing that it that's uncool to becoming cool with it that's hard okay because so- you know, you've, you're relearning who you are. It's a rebirth. It's a reincarnation, no question, because you've forgotten who the fuck you were in the first place. Sure. And also part of your life is really uh, rooted in either obtaining stuff or having stuff. or And it's part of the daily thing. It's kind of like for anyone who's not uh, involved in any of that stuff, like just imagine removing your entire routine, essentially, right? It's like you would just do oh, yeah, part of your no day. Routine. That's why if you're in a band in those days, in the late, you know, for me, since the early 70s, that's what crippled Silverhead was the same thing. Um, and Detective, they were both drug bands and Check It Past. All of those three bands were just drug havens. Um, and uh, one lost, the, the primary focus was not on the music anymore. Oh right, you know, yeah. Sorry for those. Uh, no, that's devices. okay. That's that's the buzzer of truth. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, actually, my AA sponsor. No, 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but, uh, I feel like you're talking about this stuff, Michael. And I want to. That's what that is. That's it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, so I've succumbed to all of that, and it was so selfish, you know, to to for these bands to collapse simply because I wanted to get high. And, but I always thought that I'd be okay when I first got in a band. And you know how we looked. We, we were drag, more or less. and Very in, glamorous and very... Kind of, yeah, it yeah, worked yeah. in London. Didn't work in Mobile, Alabama, baby. Yeah, the glam thing is still a little not too, like, American doesn't really totally embrace it, and, except for the drag uh, culture, which is an interesting twist because... Glam rock, glay, yeah. g- glay. We should yeah. glay. Oh, <laughs> which reminds me, I'd have to mention, and I'm going to talk with Mike about this on the show. Uh, I was, uh, I really was uh, thrilled to bring Mike and Maddie to uh, Mike Chapman and Maddie Patterson uh, to DragCon UK. One of the greatest things was like Mike Chapman has seen it all. Uh, the you know produced yeah. the suite, uh, all that produced Blondie has been everywhere and done everything. Yes, he, he has. was stunned by DragCon, and I really took delight in that because he said, I can't believe this. This is like, look at all the kids and everyone from, you know, 20,000 people all into drag and dressed up and everything, and it was great to see that. Yeah, it was, yeah. And and normal normal humans. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Don't don't get the opportunity to understand how important. You see, the thing is, the the judgment factor is being, uh, I think, negated by this isolation. I think that people will come out of this saying, that's the least thing I should be thinking about. <laughs> Whether you've got a fucking dress on, you yeah. know, and an, and an erection, <laughs> right? Which right. is the title of my autobiography. <laughs> that's right. Dress with an erection yeah. by Michael DeVar, you know. But, <laughs> great sl- so great slipcover on it, yeah. Yeah, really. Right. But it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. Toleration and understanding and non-judgmentalism is what's required. And I think that this is, is the, will uh, nurture that particular because there is the, the idea again going back to the idea that you can slip into the despairing dystopian idea of that things are going to swing to the right harder but i feel that there is 
um, a movement towards more tolerance and everything that can't be scuppered just by a couple of a hundred paid people who are, you know, uh, parading around with guns to put on a show, essentially, to like give the impression that everyone in the country is. I don't think that that's where we're at. I think that we're still going to be where we're at and it's going to get better. I, I agree. I, I don't think the blue minis are there for long, or should I say the orange minis? <laughs> right. My belief and my feeling, again, people have been despairing and saying, well, he's going to get in again. I don't think so. Oh, nobody knows. It's such nobody a, knows, but sure. I live right here, right now, uh, you know, and uh, you can't predict these things you can pray for. Yeah, but also, like you said and said before, and uh, you can't live in the future and you can't live in the past. You can uh, take the past and have it inform your present. And obviously, we want to make plans and everything, but you have to be focused on right now. And even what? when that yeah. means, even sorry, even when that means uh, going through, say, the grief of uh, feeling like everything has gone away. Weirdly, at this point, what sixty days into the actual lockdown or something like that. Uh, I've sort of gotten over a certain amount of the sort of dread or anxiety or something. And not that it's great. Not that I'm like, hey, everything's perfect. What was I thinking? You know, but uh, it's like, okay, well, okay, we're in this now until we're not. But it's interesting, the stages of grief, you know, and I know that you must have dealt with uh, a lot of things like that throughout your life, but yet still have a very, um, I guess, invigorating and uh, inspiring uh, outlook, even in the way that you talk, you can hear it in your voice acceptance is the key yeah to all of what you just said yeah yeah you're either going to accept what is or you're not so bingo exactly uh, and and it's a very beautiful thing forgiveness and acceptance is everything you see compassion is more um, powerful than power and power you know what i'm talking about yeah people who get bots to get them into the white house bullies well, technology, yeah, has created this as much as anything, and and of course it put a hammer in the works because now we're hit with a virus which is not human. You can't sort of like uh, buy your way out of it or yeah. do some kind of hack program. Well, well for me, the lies about it have been the most revealing about who's lying. You know, okay, because yeah. you know, because six weeks ago on television something is said, and and six days later it's proved to be completely fantasy and made up, and it's called lying. Yeah, and then and then denied the lie, then denied is the uh, thing. Or for instance, uh, the most uh, obscene example to me was the whole uh, injecting uh, disinfectant comment. Then when it's shown to be uh, maybe not that. Um, well received by everyone. Uh, I was being sarcastic, which I don't know which is more insulting. Which which one? Which well, one of those is more insulting? I, I think, in, in terms of Alec Baldwin, I don't think there's a, a distinction between the mockery and the reality. Right. Right. The reality of this guy is comedic and deathly, and Baldwin's sort of uh, brilliant impersonation of him is, is him. It is. It is. And that's why he nails it. And that's why it's so funny. But you know what? I'm not going to pick anybody out. The thing that is, it all comes in waves, man. We create what happens to us. That, that's why he's there. Something. True. And I didn't mean to dwell on has, Trump, but it's hard not to, no, you know. No, but I'm trying to get another look at yeah, it. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. We, we have created a social uh, conscience um, uh, about this, I think, more and more every day. We realize that we are responsible for not paying attention to our compassionate, uh, the, the need for compassion 
and the need for non-judgmentalism, especially with the LGBT community and, and, and people that are on the fringe of this world. You know, there's always going to be somebody below you. What is that? Right. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, I always say to my audience anyway, you know, we're all the same. We share the same secrets. That's right. It's not as if, you know, this one is, you know, Elvis was this and you're a schmuck, you know, delivering the mail. I mean, that's disgusting. It's that division that's created this guy. Right. And part of the fascinating thing about talking about uh, rock history, whatever, pop culture history, is that you're looking at figures that you have some kind of tie with either in your imagination or whatever. Emotionally. And, exactly, emotionally. And But then you can look at the, the life, you know, uh, like for instance with your documentary, and it's a story that you can relate to because it's a human story. And yeah. that's why the stories in whatever, if, if you're into sports, sports figures are fascinating. I can't follow a game, but it's, no. it's about the... Um, relating to the human aspect of it because we are all the same we all have the same sort of foibles maybe not the same varieties but all the same kind of flaws and strengths i think the thing about ups and downs is very important to get across because i i've learned more from the downs than i have from the ups and i'm not talking about quaaludes right now (laughs) from what i've heard those were very informative uh Oh, uh, it's the most in- extraordinary drug. <laughs> so good that they actually got rid of it. They managed it's to expunge so good it. They got, yeah, which is a whole other thing. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> but to that point, you know, I do like to talk about that part- on my show anyway, but particularly during this time. The downs, the bad times. Lessons. And we can all think back to either losing a loved one or some kind of career issue or something. Now, obviously, uh, this era is more severe in a more global way than anything that you could say had happened before. but. That also means that there will be things that we can sort of uh, fashion out of this time that will be helpful or lessons, et cetera, to grief or uh, to professional sorrows, anything. Yeah, I, I think that being uh, alone with, shall we, say, shall we just take a look at the idea of a relationship in solitary confinement? Oh, yeah, yeah. If we get out of this, <laughs> <laughs> if we can transcend this, everything's cool. Yeah, right. You are with your family. Yeah. Now, families don't have exactly the great uh, reputation of getting along. <laughs> right, right. Because everybody knows everybody's foibles, is which I love. I think is a band name. <laughs> the foibles, yeah. They're yes, great. Yes, without They're question. Great. And just, just in, in, in velvet and frilly shirts. <laughs> That's right. They're very you grand, know, the foibles. Craig and the foibles. <laughs> coming soon <laughs> to uh, coming, your radio. Oh, coming soon, literally, yeah. Yeah, that's the but album name, actually, yeah. Coming soon is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it isn't. Um, but I would say that the solitary confinement as a family, wow, that's tough. That's a great, actually a great idea for a, a one-act play or something, you know, how somebody got through it. Yeah. The facts are that you are going to be so overwhelmed by the negative a- aspects of that person, those children, that wife, that husband, or and the positive side of them. Yeah. You know, it brings out the greatness in you. Right. It really does, because there is no choice. There isn't. There is no choice in this. We right. have to behave in a way that is, uh, you know, it's going to be, a, we're going to be able to exist in a calm uh, and loving um, vibe. And if we don't learn from it, we are fucked. Acceptance and tolerance. And also realizing that, like, you know, the adults don't sweat the small stuff. There's going to be so much small stuff in comparison after this. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's a perfect description of what a, the wonderful outcome of all of this would be. Right. And I pray for that, you know. 
But I remain exuberant and I remain enthusiastic right. and I'm on the fucking radio and I'm playing Twist and Shout by the Beatles or Let's Twist the Night Away with Sam Cooke or, or Led Zeppelin's Jamaica. You name it. I'm as exuberant about that music more so than I've ever been in my life. And yeah. this song that's coming out tomorrow is is absolutely about what's happening. And it's about it's a this is scurrilous culture. And, and a warning that we can't let America, the great America is now number 15 in the list of greatness <laughs> right. or whatever. The, it's not in the top 10. No, uh, no, no, no. You no. Know, and and, and the, uh, the number one thing in my life is not a song. It's the notion of enthusiasm, exuberance, and joy. And they never lose those um, emotions. And because also the, those are the things that help fuel us to survive mentally in every way, way else. During Thank a time you. like this, right? Yeah. Whatever brings you joy, that's the thing to focus on at least a part of your day. You know what I mean? If not all of it, whatever your day looks like. Like, you know, have a dance party by yourself if you're by yourself in the house or whatever. Like, just like dress up if you want to, to sit by yourself in the house, whatever it is. Apparently, masturbation is really big in the culture. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's, uh, <laughs> that helps the exuberance. Yeah. Yeah, that's the title of my next album. We're very excited. <laughs> yeah, do it yourself. Classic DIY on a whole other level. <laughs> Concept album, which is nice. It's a, it, no, it's a musical. Oh, it's wonderful. That's right. I forgot you were doing the musical. Yeah, on that. the opening right. song is coming soon. <laughs> and, that's right. I uh, won't use the title on my Foibles <laughs> album then because I don't want to clash. No, we got a whole record company here today. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, your your record again is on Wicked Cool Records, and it's yeah. Uh, and it's on a, on a nice uh, colored vinyl, right? It's on um, red and purple vinyl. Half of it is red and half of it is purple. Wicked Cool Records is the greatest record company in the world. They have so many great rock bands. And I'm talking about rock bands. I'm not talking about Billy Eilish, who I adore, by the yeah, way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but oh. you're talking about like... Rock and roll. Yeah, rock yeah, and roll. Like yeah. well, Little Richard, to get back to Little Richard, yeah. but with guitars. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know the Little Richard never had a hit after 1958. I know, which is stunning. Even Great Gosh Almighty, which is in uh, down and down Beverly Hills, it kind of went to like number 42 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, was not a great big hit. No, it wasn't. Now, he was a big hit. Oh, he, he was massive, a big yeah. hit culturally. That's what put him on next to Charles Nelson Riley, which a lot of people would think, well, you know, he's a you know, it's a different world, but it isn't. No, it's the same. You know, yeah, he really brought a a, a sort of a flamboyance yeah. to American television. And yeah, and joy. as a guest, yeah, yes. oh, oh, he was one of the greatest talk show guests. Exuberance, yeah, exuberance, and a wonderful narcissism that I that I <laughs> that I totally, as you know, adore because it's so ludicrous to even you know ah, yeah. I am the greatest, you know. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of different shades of narcissism. Now, obviously, there's the more n malignant narcissistic personality disorder. But with Little Richard, I think it was the kind of thing where he kind of had to have some of that to survive the stuff that he went through. The dreadful life. Macon, Georgia, 1950s, gay. Yeah. You try it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah. So obviously he had to develop a persona through which he could get out of it and, and, and make people uh, enjoy what he was doing and also let himself enjoy what he, he was. He was a voyeuristic guy, you know. As, oh, that's right. You want to get yeah. funky about it. No, nope, we do. That's the show. But, well, you know, he was, he was a voyeuristic dude. In fact, I think the only time he was arrested was he was watching, right? Yeah. A couple in, in the backseat. He had a gas he, station, yeah. 
Well, he, it's so interesting, though, isn't it? Because he was a dishwasher at a gas station, and then he was little Richard in the back of it watching these two people fuck. I yeah, mean, this he, is pretty heavy shit. I know. He couldn't get away from the mobile. You know what I mean? He, like, it, it's, yeah. uh, there's something about the fumes, maybe. Fumes, there's another band. A great band. <laughs> and he's another you person know. also who got really wrapped up in drugs in the 70s. Oh, my God. He, he, was, he snorted Peru, this guy. <laughs> now, when you met him, uh, where were you both? I was still right next to the soundstage of the, of the movie that he made, you know, down and out, maybe whatever that was. But yeah, so we were on the soundstage next to them. And um, at lunch, you know, I went to lunch, you know, and there he was, you know, and I, I just humbly crawled over to the table <laughs> and said, you know, you, you, you're everything to me, you know, um, without you, I, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere really because, and, and, and he understood what I was saying because he didn't say anything back. And I, you're left in that position of standing in front of little Richard who is seated uh, and not, he's not responding to what I'm saying. And I, and I just said that, you know, I wouldn't have enjoyed my life as much as I have, if it wasn't for you. Yeah. And he just looked up, and I, I swear to God, there was a tear in his eye. Uh -huh. And it wasn't the bombastic, flamboyant guy. The, the, the minders all around him were, like, didn't know whether to laugh or weep. Oh, okay. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was a really heavy moment. It wasn't like, oh, my soul. It wasn't that. Right, right. It registered, he, and it meant a lot he to him. He was a it's... spiritual man. He lived a spiritual life in public. Right. And it, it's clear that he knew uh, how important that music was to you because the music was so important to him. I mean, that was his way out. Well, Stevens puts it, if, the, if, if Sir Paul McCartney hadn't sung Long Tall Sally, none of us would have heard of Little Richard, which is a hell of a way of describing it. You know, because he would have just been some, uh, you know, I don't know, some prehistoric figure in, in terms of rock and roll. But when a Beatle yeah. sang it in Hamburg in the Star Club in 62. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and that's why Little Richard made that comment. Why didn't Paul buy my house? You know, <laughs> I mean, because it's it, it's a perfectly valid question. Yeah, sure. Because also all the the woos and all that, which I won't attempt. But the, that's, uh, woo! yeah, oh it's, my god, yeah. It's hard to sing, you know. I do that. I got an e <laughs> I have an EP coming out of a Little Richard medley. That oh, fantastic! A year ago. Oh, really? Uh, I did it. And then the label that's putting it out, it's coming out, I think, in July. It's five songs, and, you know, half of it is the Richard songs. That's a year ago. Yeah. Because any band, I'll tell you, any band listening to this conversation, if you want to get them off, do good golly, Miss Molly. And you can do it your way. Yeah. You know, power, big, loud, martial arts, that's Paul's. Great, do it. But it will, I guarantee you, everybody in that room will be on their feet. Now, that is a feat. Yeah, that is. And in his music, uh, you can play it to anyone. You can play it to a, a, little, a toddler, to yeah. someone in their 80s. And everyone, no one's going to be like, that kind of bums me out. There's no way that yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that like James Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> Who was that? I, you know, no. no, it would never bum anybody out. That's a great way of putting it, Greg. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. During this time, what are you doing to enjoy yourself? I enjoy myself at everything. I enjoy myself. I do three hours of uh, the show every day. I yeah. do voiceovers. I play demons on you know video games. Voice. I'm constantly writing. I've written more songs in the last uh, eight weeks than I've ever written, and right. I've written them with people. Right. I've written them on Zoom. I've written them on FaceTime. There's no reason why you can't transcend. Uh, being in a room and vibing, man. You can vibe over technology, um, and I strongly advise that you guys do that. Now, in terms of entertaining, I do a song a day, as uh, perhaps that's you right. know, yeah. um, on various social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll put up songs, I'll, any old song, and I don't even sing the whole song. Yeah, it's not about that. It's it's not about a, a complete no, thing. It's, it's about it's the vibe. About, it's about the vibe. Always. Yeah. So you go up there and you sing, you know, hey, Jude, that's eight fucking minutes. Nobody can do that. So, <laughs> so I do a verse and a chorus of paint it black, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's enough, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't know about you, but my uh, concentration is limited. I, I can only like vibe on something, uh, you know, unless it's, you know, something classic, classic where one would go to a museum, which one can't. Right, now, right. And exactly. gaze at a painting and try and find out the truth of Dali's, you know, or Picasso's three-eyed woman. Yeah. That's a whole other deal. But like doing quick and, um, you know, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that for twice a week, though, uh, for an hour to 45 minutes of getting questions because people, you know, what was Jimmy Page really like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, all and of course, the other question, what was Robert Plant really like? Those are the two well, important questions. No. <laughs> when, he, when he finds out, I'll tell you. <laughs> that sounds good. So look forward to that on a uh, future editions yeah. of uh, Ask Michael. Oh, yeah. Ask Michael is right. I mean, there, I, that's good because, you know, I have survived this crazy world of rock and roll, you know. And, and I think that's a good thing. Back to the thing we were talking about, how people succumb to drugs. Now, your drug story is is different than the ones that we were talking about, obviously, and you got out of it. But you also got out of it, and we've talked about this before, before other people in the business. So then you also were dealing with sort of the social position of people being a little sort of put off by maybe you not indulging. But then you were in a band with Checkered Past where you were sober and everyone else was not. They didn't want to know about the 12 steps, Craig. <laughs> this was not what the intention there at all. Yeah. So I was a leper. I was a pariah. I was a complete um, cast aside. Yeah, yeah. Because, because when you think of rock and roll and you're young, you think about, you know, the music, the drugs, and the girls or the boys, whatever. Sure. Um, and that's it. And uh, when you take one out of that holy triptych, <laughs> Father, son, and rock and roll. Yeah. Holy ghost. You know, you're fucking with a formula that's been there decades. Sure. So I just I just could give a shit. I'll tell you why. Because there's there's me, they're coked up. If they tell me the same story about when they were six <laughs> yeah. every fucking yeah. minute for twenty-four hours, you know, I'm gonna throw them out the window. So I could see how absurd. Yeah. Oh, that must How have been really helpful then. It was. Of course it was. It was yeah. a lesson. You mean I was that like six months ago? <laughs> <laughs> Telling the same story to the same people because you forget because you're an idiot and you've been up for three days. Yeah, it was right. awful. Yeah. 20 minutes of bliss. Oh, three sure. days of horror. Right. Would describe cocaine yeah. to me. Uh-huh. Another good you know, title, Three Days of Horror. Yeah, man. Yeah. And the and the booze, I didn't even like alcohol, but I saw the pictures of Keith Richards with a bottle of Jack Daniels. 
Right. And I'm not exaggerating. The imagery of rock and roll was more, not more, as important as the music. The yeah. right earring and a bottle of Jack Daniels was as important as writing a hit song. Right. You couldn't really separate them. No. They were images. They were cultural images, icons. Yeah. But once you realize that you were a fucking idiot yeah. and you were just ruining your career, your marriage, your life, your kids, that it was a burden. The minute I, I felt that coming on, because I, I only really got stoned for about seven or eight years where it was hardcore because I'm with Zeppelin. I mean, uh, yeah. And just, to, just to fill it out well, for anyone who maybe is the first time listening to the two of us chat, you were in a band that was on Zeppelin's label and you hung out with Zeppelin and uh, toured with Kiss. And so you were, you know, in the mix with a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the more intense scenes. If you well, in the big scenes, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was always having to land in the big scene, and and uh, and the big scene meant the deepest scene and the d darkest scene uh, because they could afford it. Right, that's they right. They could afford the isolation, and and believe you me, the bands of that stature were completely isolated, isolated from the public and each other. Interesting, right? So right. they would travel separately, and oh uh, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, when Zeppelin came to LA. They had four houses on Malibu Beach. I think it was Carbon Canyon, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that beach. And um, I was the go-between yeah. between these four houses. Right. If you can imagine that, you yeah. know, I mean, because talking to each other, they were so massive. And yeah. there were so many legalities at play. Yeah. And, you know, Peter was, uh, to me, a father figure. I loved him. Peter Grant, the manager, led that was amazing. He signed, you know, they signed yeah. me to one song. And, um, and, and Peter Grant uh, was a, uh, a man who had come out of the Cray Twins English gangster world, right. which was a whole other trip. <laughs> I can only imagine. And you must have seen some crazy things. Horrendous. Being in London. Yeah. Horrendous violence, massive drug use, excitement beyond all imagining. Right. And a, lo and a lot of velvet clothing. <laughs> right. A heady br a brew. If you will, yeah. yeah, high heels and bangs, and yeah, help. yeah, yeah, and then of course Don Arden and Peter Grant were all sort of out of the same. Peter was the driver. That's right. Peter was their driver. Peter was the creative driver. That's and right. Don yeah. was Sharon Osbourne's uh, father. That's right. Know. And he legendarily, for those who don't know, he like did crazy gangster things to the bands. Like he was terrifying. He, didn't he hang one of the one of the? I can't remember what band he hung. Steve guy. Marriott out of the window yeah. to get the publishing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you. Don't want to sign it, okay? Okay, well, uh, I'm going to hang out the window until you. Well, this oh, was yeah. the days of people being, you know. Well, I can't actually bring that up; it's too disgusting. But it, oh, that's fine. Dreadful things going on, and most of those young bands, Small Faces and others, were completely ripped off, absolutely and completely by management, and yeah. and and um, that hasn't gone anywhere. But it's a lot harder now because um, people got hip to it. You know, I mean, right. look at the Taylor Swift thing. You know, right. I mean. There's always some kind of quirky. Wherever there's big money, you're going to get big gangsterism. Yeah. You know, and uh, look at the, the hip hop world, man. Look at. Uh, <laughs> well, Suge Knight's really no different than than Don Arden. You know what I mean? Like in terms of same thing, man. Yeah, same thing. Hanging you know, uh, someone out the window or all that stuff. Well, yeah. Tupac's death. Right. It was obviously a lot more serious than Steve Marriott being held out of the window, but not really because Marriott, you know, um, descended into the world of drugs and alcohol, and the, the greatest singer in rock and roll was dead by forty-four years old. Ronnie Lane 
uh, from the faces, then yeah. uh, could develop MS or had MS, and then he yeah. was uh, destitute essentially from the medical treatments, and then there had to be benefit concerts. Just and to, they did them. Yeah, you know, yeah, they did do them, Rod, and you know, and Pete they Townsend did do, and Ronnie Lane was one of the most beloved characters, you know, because he was always so supportive and a great songwriter. He right. wasn't an iconic, flowing frontman, you know. He sure. was a solid bass player, singer, songwriter who yeah. actually, when the Small Faces. Um, you know, went down. He took a gypsy encampment, you know, wagons around the country playing in fucking fields. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, old British music, you know, beautiful folk. Because he was sort of like that Cockney, you know, like that British sort of Cockney chappy stuff. And, and uh, there's some beautiful songs he wrote that say just that, you know. And, well, of course, people know the song Ooh La La, which would be a great example of him. He sang that one as well and rod yeah. did too and and, yeah. and i think rod did to raise the money yeah uh for ronnie's predicament right well and and uh I, we started to get to it before but there, during the down times when there can be a thing even with people who get married i was talking to a friend about someone who was having trouble getting used to the real world after their wedding was over but there's all this attention on here this attention this attention and, and then uh no matter how balanced you might be it's easy to start thinking that maybe you're the center of the world or at least this world. And then there's the, the sort of the plunge afterwards where it's people are just back to normal life. It's not that they're not thinking about you anymore, but you're not being called every day and all of that stuff. You dealt with a lot of that because you would be in a band and then the band would end, like you said, detective or whatever. You're on Swan Song. You're traveling in the most rarefied circumstances. And then you're not. You must have ended up having to develop a set of tools to... Uh, survive those, those moments. I, I was just obsessed with staying at uh, the right uh, weight. Um, <laughs> it's good to have a focus. <laughs> <laughs> I think the trick is um, get it together. Let's get what's next. You know, I mean, I'm always whatever happened. I've had some tough times, man. I've right. been in the, in the gutter and the glittering gutter it was, um, but it's all fake. You know, wealth is health, you yeah. know, and, and, I, and I mean a healthy spirit, you know. And yeah, I've, sure. I've, I've pretty much kept that, you know, all of them. I've been in 82 bands, you know, and <laughs> I've made literally 150 hours of American television. Right. Even my downtime has been fun in a, in a sense. I've learned so much, as we said earlier, and I, it was a great riff, you know, that the downs are more important than the ups. And yeah. I think they just made me more, more intensely wanting to express myself, not become a, a superstar or, or that wasn't the focus. The focus was to keep growing and keep enjoying in my, in my life, yeah. you know. And that's what propelled me through the hard times. It's just a dogged belief in myself. That's pretty much the most important thing. And also, it's funny how sometimes we can be really, really busy. Like last year, I was traveling nonstop, pretty much, and around the band. I remember you came over to record something, and I like, I was, I just, I was I, too tired. I woke up right as you were about to leave, and I was like, "Sorry, let me just fix my hair, and we'll we'll do yeah. it." Thing. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, you can get into a frantic way, and almost, uh, and also that can be a way of also escaping other things, maybe. But um, then when you do have that downtime, I think the best thing to do is use it as a way to prepare for the next busy time, the next uptime. Yes, absolutely. And I don't mean to sound like Pollyanna here because I've, I've been in, you know, Nor fetal do I, positions, but, uh, yeah. you know, I have fetal position in bed for weeks. Yeah. You over love affairs. They've, those are the bands breaking up. I, 
that wasn't as serious to me as the actual connection because I did not have a mother. I did not have a father. Right. Um, so then when I did find love and lost it, that was, I lost it. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, that was the hardest thing, not bands, not career stuff, sure, sure. but that, but that would drive me into such a deep depression. Um, and, um, you know, you've got to think and know really that love will come in if you love yourself. Now, the, the incredibly difficult irony is that when you're at the bottom and you're in the darkness, you know, you can love yourself. You feel that you're just useless. So it's a real strange dichotomy to go through. But it, career-wise, man, I would just go out and kill people on TV, you know. I'd just right. go and do whatever it took, you know. And yeah. I, I, I did ALF. You know <laughs> That's right. I, That's right. You know, yeah. And I did Seinfeld, and I did Melrose Place, and I did all of it, all of them. Yeah. Father Dowling's Mysteries, Heart to Heart, you yeah. fucking name it. Yeah. I've done it. And, and even when – but the love thing, the breaking up of that, somebody. That was the killer. That was the, 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 the hard one. And that's when yeah. it's the hardest time. It's, you, that makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, I had an anxiety uh, attack in the midst of this because I hadn't seen anyone really for almost yeah. two months. And I, I did this past weekend. Uh, my friend and I arranged a socially safe, you know, trip over to his place. And I sat in the sun for like two hours and all of that. And like the magic that that uh, did for me, you know, like the incredible restorative power of that was uh, incalculable because when you're in that anxiety attack, you, you can't actually. Uh, tell yourself the things that you need to tell yourself it's like right. floating in just the the darkness panic yeah panic and uh for me i found calling a friend like that's the thing you got to get out of your mo your own little trip for a minute you got to get pulled back into something yeah you know the great thing you're absolutely right one of the great um techniques of getting rid of depression is to um not unload on anybody else but have somebody else unload on you because you feel wanted craig oh, okay you feel yeah, wanted yeah, sure so that gives you a position now uh, of of not the i need your help of course that's important but for me anyway what's yeah. more important is 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 listening yeah because Absolutely. then you're doing something positive without having to do anything you're just being but you're being of service as well but we should be of service all the time right it's not only on Wednesdays. No, right, right. Or only when you're um, feeling bad. Yeah, it should be, and, and, and one learns that. So to listen to somebody is very freeing when one is in a panic state. You know, it's a human thing, you know, to be of service. I always say, be kind, be cool, be courageous. That's my thing, you know, yeah. and, and, and kindness is everything, you know, and to listen gets you out of your panic. Panic, you bet, panic? Man, I'm doing this video and I'm playing a character in this thing. Anarchy in the UK, I have a black wig. I'm in the black gear. And, yeah. you know, Stevie Van Zandt created this fallen angel kind of figure who sings that comes down to earth and sees it's a mess and singing about it. Yeah. Uh, it's a great idea. But I had to do it in lockdown. Oh, right. So I'm doing it in the forest in Pasadena and it'll arrive. <laughs> The police arrive. <laughs> I am in a black wig, full makeup, white face, black eyes. Yeah. Film crew, we're going, let's get the fuck out of yeah. here. <laughs> and the cops are going, what are you? Oh, it's Murdoch, you know. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> right, and, right. And, and I'm in the forest yeah. running around being sort of a fallen angel. Yeah, yeah. So they throw us out of the park <laughs> in Pasadena. We go find a gothic church. 
And I, I start singing in this Gothic church and this fallen angel by, but the, the cops arrive again. Oh my God. And, and the punters, then there's fans there. Oh, wow. There's okay. People that see me walking around. You've got to imagine most people are in flip flops and a fucking mask. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I'm in a black wig. Yeah. And, 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 and flowing <laughs> cape and, uh, and a yeah. cape. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and high sort of hunting boots on. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. So Time like it, this is very, it's even more exciting. You're like, look at that. I, there's a guy in a cape. I, I would. Yes, I wish that had been the video. <laughs> you know, with the people going, huh? And this is the last few days. Yeah. So one's life is, shall we say, unpredictable. Yeah, that's true. And again, there's lots of stuff that we can do even when the circumstances aren't the ones that we're used to. And uh, it, it benefits us all to do those things. Yeah, it does. And I have great respect for the uh, frontliners and the oh, yeah. brave, brave heroes and heroines, you know, and angels that are on the front line of this thing, the health workers, all of that. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what they're going through and yeah. what, you know, and they're doing it out of love. You know, yeah, that is the personification of saintliness right. and a life well lived, you know, and it's awful because so many are dying and the senior citizens are dying. And it's just, it breaks my heart, you know. But I know that there's a big shift and I know that there's no such thing as a new normal. But I think it's just more the acceptance, like you said, of like how things are going to be for now. But that doesn't mean that they're that way forever. And also, everything's always changing all the time. If you think back to eras or whatever, if you look at the music uh, industry and shifts in, in style or whatever. There's a music industry? <laughs> there was. See, that's what I'm saying. There was. And now, hmm. You can do whatever you want. All you guys out there, you can do whatever you want. SoundCloud, baby. Make yeah. yourself a star. Because nobody's going to make you a star. Right. You know? You know, it can happen occasionally. Billy was 12 when I think um, Sony got hold of her, you know. Wow. But so you can create stuff, and that's a beautiful thing. And and the new normal, you know, not being able to shake hands, get over it, you know. So let's communicate with our souls, you know, not with the palms of our hand. How about that? Is that cool? No more, you know, high fives. It's go, it goes higher than high fives. Well, listen, I think that's a beautiful note to end on. And also, I've been uh, uh, once again enjoying chatting with you via this communication style. And one Me day, too. yeah, fabulous. And one day we'll be able to again be in the same room. You're the greatest. You are. And oh, Whimsically oh. Volatile is the coolest podcast ever. I love you guys. I love your audience. And it's always just a delight to talk with somebody who knows what time it is. That's beautiful, Michael. And I have to say the same for you. I love you and I love your all your work and your radio show is wonderful. And I'm, it's wonderful that you're on every day, you know what I mean? And uh, because your voice is one that I think everyone can get a lot of um, love and, and uh, helpfulness from, you know? And rock. Great. And rock, of course, but that's part of love. That's that's in the love. That's in the <laughs> it love. It is, yeah, the yeah. love rock. Yeah, yeah. And, and joy and exuberance, like you said, you know what I mean? Yes, of course. Yeah. So God bless everybody out there, and we'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know <laughs> so, It'll probably be on Zoom. Once again, this episode was brought to you commercial-free by the fine folks in Hot Dog Club. So head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends, check out the reward tiers, see which one works right for you, and then slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club. <laughs> <laughs>